When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Scoven, joined by Stuart Jameson for what will be the last podcast recorded in Chronicle Towers for uh, God knows how Hopefully long. Hopefully not too long, but certainly a while, yeah. Yeah, we are all going to be working from home very soon and we're going to bring you a special podcast. Obviously there is no football to talk about, the Premier League postponed until at least April the 3rd. I've been racking our brain to try and bring you a podcast which not only puts a smile on your face but when we get to you think and debate with your mates probably in the WhatsApp group because soon enough you might not be able to see them in person and we've come up with Newcastle United unpopular opinions and it is as simple as it sounds we've got some unpopular opinions on Newcastle United from our listeners and we've got one each as well from me and Stu and we're going to go through them and we're going to debate them Um, Stu the first one is on Sir Bobby Robson. This is coming from Dan, who says that Sir Bobby Robson doesn't deserve a statue ahead of Kevin Keegan. I quote, he's just a nice guy. I mean, he was, wasn't he? But I, I think we're going to probably split that up into two sections, whether whether it's the case of Sir Bobby doesn't deserve a statue or Kevin Keegan. And, and I think maybe Joe Harvey deserve one equally as much as, as Sir Bobby, which I think is possibly a fair point. I know Joe Harvey's got the, the little the statue in the bust of him, but you look at what he achieved as Newcastle manager and, and, and no one else has come close to that. Uh, as much as we loved watching the teams of, of Keegan and Sir Bobby, they didn't win anything when it comes to the bottom line, whereas uh, the teams of Joe Harvey did win things. Um, got the cup finals, obviously won the first cup in 1969. Feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? But he won something. And, and, and Sir Bobby, as you say, he, he did a huge amount for the club. He brought them with relegation candidates when he took over the following season he was getting them pushed right up the league qualifying for the Champions League playing the likes of Juventus and Barcelona and, and beating them at certain stages into Milan as well um, but of course didn't win anything and now he's got that, that statue and you look at what Keegan did of course took the club from from the brink of relegation into the what was then the old third division and you know Sir John Hall predicting at the time that the club couldn't have existed in the in the third tier of English football as it was Onto again back into the Champions League, onto the the brink of winning the Premier League title, but of course that word "brink" is there. They, they didn't actually do it, did they? I suppose that is the key point. I, I think the opinion also had Joe Harvey thrown in the mix. For me, Joe Harvey is Castle's most successful manager. You know, uh, second division champions took them into Europe. Okay, it was kind of uh, through the back door because of the rules of the, the inner cities affairs uh, cup, uh, but he won it. Brought yeah. it back, and you know he, he he turned Newcastle into this this great team once again, and obviously won the FA Cup as a as a player that doesn't really count towards his managerial uh, record. But he is the last manager to win a major trophy, and I think he also won uh, a few of the, the little cups that don't exist anymore. But he is the last person to win a trophy and a European trophy at that. Yeah, absolutely massive. I mean, some of the teams they beat along the way, and obviously we, we look at. Likes of Juspestosa now, and, and think, well, well, who are they necessarily? They were a massive team at the time. They also beat the likes of Final and Rangers on, on route to the finals at Real Zaragoza, or, or top European clubs at the time. It's a tremendous achievement what he did. And it's just actually, as you say, as a player, I mean, for what he did for the club, I mean, 
not many people have done that. Where he was, he was a coach. He, he played in uh, captain in two winning FA Cup finals. Um, superb player as well. So yeah, I mean, there's not many people have done more for Newcastle United than than he's done. And of course, Keegan. I mean, everyone knows what Keegan did. He absolutely revitalised the city. Um, the whole the whole country was talking about Keegan's entertainers. I think it's probably fair to say. I don't think we're we're looking at that too much of the through the bubble of Newcastle up here. I think the whole country genuinely was captivated by them. Um, and, and that hasn't happened since, even in Sir Bobby's days when, when that was a cracking team. Uh, that hasn't happened since that, that what he managed to do. Yes, he spent a bit of money, but again, compared to what other teams were, were spending, it, was, it wasn't in excess of what everyone else was spending at the time. Who had the easier job, do you think, so to speak, in terms of where the Premier League was at the time? Um, obviously, Keegan, like you said, he got them promoted and then they went on that fantastic run. Yeah. Um, I think third, third, fifth, and then obviously second. Um, Sir Boy Robson came in, Newcastle were staring relegation in the face, up to mid-table, and then third, fourth and fifth, in my mind, serves me correctly, memory serves me correctly. So, But who had the, 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 the more difficult job, so to speak, do you think? That's a really good question, because cause Keegan, obviously when he was operating, the, the Premier League was a slightly different set up to what it is now um, I appreciate teams like Wolves have come into the Premier League and done very well Sheffield United this season are clearly doing that they're not doing what Newcastle did at the time which was a challenge at the very very top however I think it was easier to probably break into that at the time uh, but of course you had to take them from a team that was near the bottom of the old second division so that transformation itself was absolutely huge and I think Keegan as a person was able to, to bring some of those top names to the club and, and also unearth some players, people like Ginola, obviously, yes, he was, he was known in, in world football, but he was hardly a, a big name when he signed for Newcastle. Most people didn't know who he was. Bring them to the club and, and bring the best out of them, which I think was a huge thing. So Bobby, obviously, was not that much long, longer after Keegan, but obviously the Premier League was slightly different. Um, again, the team was was really quite down when he when he brought them in, when he took over, sorry. Um so he had he had the challenge of breaking into what was already quite a well established Premier League. Um, again, didn't have huge amounts of money to spend. When you look at what Sir Bobby spent, it wasn't huge amounts of money. Um, so it was a different challenge. I think probably, I think Keegan probably had the, had the biggest job in his hands because if that had gone wrong in those first two months, then that was that's that was game over. Who knows what would have happened then? And also the fact that he didn't have all those years of experience behind him. Sir Bobby came in. He. In a way, had a, a more a different challenge because people said, "Oh, you're, you're too old." Yeah. So you had the age factor, and um, but you had all that experience, the cups, and you know across Europe, the England job, getting to the semi-finals. Keegan came in without any experience. It's often said he was on the golf course for most of the year um, over in Spain, and he comes in and was that? Do you think that plays any part in the argument? It, it definitely does. I mean. I think the people involved at the time, Sir John, were, were, I've admitted on record, it's a complete gamble. I mean, that that last it was the last roll of the dice for Newcastle, and it worked spectacularly well. And I think a lot of people should get a lot of credit for that. Obviously, Sir John for taking the gamble on him, and obviously Keegan and Terry McDermott should never underplay his role. Uh, should get a huge amount of credit for what they were actually able to bring. But we've all seen players, very good players, come into management and not being able to do it for whatever reason. Um, and Keegan was able just to to captivate the players. I think. Uh, most of which would have known, obviously, were old enough to know him as a player and know what he could bring. But you, 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 hear, you remember some of the people like Steve Watson at the time, young players coming through, um, talking about his, his team talks and how they used to walk out feeling 10 foot tall because of what he said. Uh, and that, that's a skill which not many people do have. I, th- I think it's probably a skill So Bobby had as well, in all honesty. Um, you know, bringing the best out of people like Kieran Dyer, um, making them feel special um, and, and giving them that edge, which 
which which you can see on the pitch when they used to play, they played with a swagger, they played with a, especially when Sir Bobby got his, the team that he wanted, um, when he was able to build it, they played with an attacking swagger, which reflects the manager, I think. Mm. So the idea is that we come to some sort of verdict, some sort of conclusion. I'm going to throw it out there that I think all three probably deserve a statue. I know Joe Harvey's got the bust. Um, but for me, if we were going to pick one, it would have been Joe Harvey, yeah. Stu. Yeah, I'd agree. Joe, Joe Harvey is of a statue above anybody else at the club. And you say that with the greatest of respect to, to all those people who have contributed so much. Um, but, you know, why hasn't Kevin Keegan got one for what he did? I mean, it's a fantastic achievement. Um, the fact he came back as a manager for the second time, obviously, maybe slightly coloured things a little bit. But for what he did as a player, again, we haven't mentioned what he did as a player, um, dragging Newcastle back up into the uh, into the first division with uh, Waddle and Beasley and that, and that great attacking team as well. That was a huge step as well. So, but yeah, I, I think if anyone deserved one, it's it, it's, it's got to be Joe Harvey. Or hypothetical, of course, we are not saying that we'll get rid of Sir Bobby. Of course, statue, not. Sir Bobby deserves, fully deserves his statue. And for all as well. the charity work as well, and the millions of pounds in the fight fully deserved. Yeah, against cancer. On to the second unpopular opinion. Then this is from Tommy, who says that Mike Ashley saved Newcastle from a collapse that would make the collective falls from glory of Sunderland and Leeds and Forest look like minor blips. If we're talking about the relegation in 2016 under, uh, well, mainly Steve McLaren and then obviously Rafa at the very end, there is an argument to say that he invested in the club. There's there's not an argument. He did invest in the club that summer. He backed his manager. They signed 12 players, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Some at at large expense to Gail Matt Ritchie in the championship. They also were able to fund the salaries of the likes of John Joe Shelby, kept them on for another year. Uh, these are players who are still at the club, of course. Kieran Clark was signed then. Um, and without doing that, who knows what... Well, for Dr. Rafa, probably wouldn't have stayed without those, that commitment. Um, and who knows what happened to the club. We have seen with Sunderland exactly what could happen. Uh, who knows what happened to Newcastle. It, it may be a different story. They may have done well. It's it's unknown, isn't it? Um, I don't think he gets any credit for that. I don't understand why, because I mean, he just presided over a team that got relegated in the first place. The previous summer, of course, he had invested quite a lot in the likes of Mitrovic, Mignaldum. You all know what a player Mignaldum's turned out to be. Um, players like Daryl Yama over the years. Uh, Chancellor and Bember, I think, they signed that previous summer as well. Um, it didn't work out because ultimately they didn't pick the right manager, probably. Um, in the longer term, the argument is the club's debt-free, although obviously they owe Mike Ashley a fair amount of money, but you know he, he is the owner of the club. Um, and at the minute, the club is, as far as we're aware, pretty much operating in the black reasonably healthy position financially of course that's not what anyone wants to see do they no one really cares about balance sheets they just care about performances on the pitch and, and ideally trying to win some silverware that's been far too long without any any sort of challenge for silverware so i guess it's, it's it's balancing that up really isn't it is it a case that i think for some my gosh you didn't really learn from the first time they went down yeah some of the mistakes that were made there some of the you know, managerial appointments you can see parallels i mean it might be Burton fans, Steve McLaren, but by the time he came in, you know, no one could quite understand what he'd done to warrant the job. Great reputation as a coach, but as a manager, you can read several biographies from several it, players. It who, wasn't his first failure, was it? No. Fair. And you look at what he did, he was at Derby, wasn't he? And then he, he, he been at Forest as well, yeah. He got booted from Derby, didn't he? And somehow managed to get that job back. But that, that didn't sit right with a lot of people. And it just, a bit like, yeah, I think, yeah, he had a back, Rafa, didn't he? 
and yeah. um, and you had to back him to get up, and it was a gamble because if it if it hadn't worked and Rafa had had failed, which it, at one point it looked a bit new. That first three miss. games, remember those well, back in the August, yeah. And then then after that, because if you hadn't beat Huddersfield and hadn't beat Brighton, but them they were two six points that they were there. Yeah. They were six points they needed to get. Goodness knows what would have happened, but he backed Rafa. Rafa did his magic, and Newcastle were were put up. And I guess this comes in to another question: Is it a bit more better, devil? You know, when it comes to potentially a new owner. You, you, yeah. I mean, I think Newcastle fans know what they're getting with Mike Ashley, and most of them don't want that, and that's understandable, seeing as how they've been relegated in two years, and it seems to be the case that Premier League security is the top ambition at the minute. Um, that's not they're not the only club to be in that situation. But I think with 52,000 fans at the stadium every week, I know it counts for absolutely nothing when it comes to the, the Premier League. But I think when it comes to ambition and where the club should be aiming, I think most fans would agree that there's no reason why Newcastle shouldn't be looking at the likes of Wolves, Everton. I think we, we should be at least on level of that. I mean, I, I guess the days when, as we were just talking about before, when the Keegan and Sir Bobby, when they were competing with Liverpool, Arsenal, Man U's, Chelsea, I mean, ahead of Chelsea back in those days, I think most fans would accept those days are gone. But why? Why they shouldn't be competing for the you know Sheffield United? What they've done this season, well, mm. well Newcastle should be up up there competing along amongst that. Um, so, so that's the argument, which I think the extra investment, which they're not getting at the minute. Although, again, I mean they broke the transfer um, target twice. The, the window twice in the, in the last year, and they were Almiron running and Julian. Although they'd argue that was clearly Julian was uh, was not the right move at the time, but. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think there's, there's too many fans will, will see what actually hasn't done as opposed to what he has done. I suppose with the verdict, you have to potentially separate a few things. You could potentially say, yes, okay, you give him a little bit of credit for, for putting uh, the money where his mouth is and backing Rafa Benitez. In, initially, at least, anyway. Um, yeah, initially in that season and, and, and backing that promotion bit up. Obviously, you give huge amounts of credit for Rafa Benitez course, and the yeah. players for achieving that. However, you would argue that the negatives outweigh that one. Uh, can we call it a positive? We will call it a positive. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Of isn't back it? in Benitez. Yeah, yeah I, I'd agree. Um, it's it's been eleven years now. I think twelve years maybe since since Mike actually took over, and I, th- I think the the overriding feeling is that there's has been opportunities missed at, at countless occasions for the club to kick on. Uh, it's it's a gamble. Of course, it's always a gamble, isn't it? Um, but they've, they've not taken those opportunities. They didn't back Rafa last summer or didn't give Rafa what he wanted, of course. Um, and, and now they are where they are now, you know. So it's, uh, I think that I'd have to agree. It's, there's, there are a couple of positives. There's never black and white. It shouldn't be black and white. But overwhelmingly, I think it's, uh, it's a hard argument to make, isn't it? So we're going to listen to Paul from Australia. He has sent in his unpopular opinion. You guys can do the same. Please keep it clean. Um, and short and sweet as well. You can send it to me via WhatsApp on 07 and we'll put um, these episodes together in a few weeks while um, we're potentially locked down. Uh, so this is Paul's unpopular Newcastle United opinion. Alan Smith, he would have been one of the uh, great Newcastle signings and players ever, in my opinion. Um, proven quality, as you could see, it leads to Man United. Um, and you could tell he loved the tune when he was there. And he's from also from the north area, so Leeds boy. Um, 
we should have really persevered with him at for, um, as a forward rather than converting him to a midfielder. Um, I would have liked to have seen more of that. Um, but when he did pull on the black and white shirt, he personified the, um, the great spirit, uh, determination. Um, he was very invested in his whole time at Newcastle. So you, um, you can't question that. And he's um, definitely one of my personal favourites. So there you have it, Stu. Um, when I first heard this, I had to take a second and third listen. Um, he's a big fan of Alan Smith by all accounts. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he does suggest he might have been one of the best ever signings had Alan Smith been in his, his prime and been fully fit. Yeah, oh, I mean, Alan Smith was a cracking player with, with Leeds. Um, less of a man you because that's where he got his injury, but it's inescapable from the fact that he had had that injury before Newcastle signed him. And would Newcastle have been able to sign him if he hadn't been on the way out of Manchester United at the time? I guess that's highly unlikely. Uh, no one could ever argue with his work rate. Uh, people often forget, you know, he, he was a key part in that championship team. Uh, stayed with the stayed with the club under Chris Hutton in the, the first season that they got relegated. Um, and his commitment was superb, uh, especially when he played in that deeper midfield role. You could you couldn't knock him. You know, he is a, a fellow who played up front for England, um, and he never shied away from anything. He was always willing to to play whatever position. However, he was a, he was not the player. That he was when he came first came through at Leeds. To be honest with you, um, right? He never scored a goal for Newcastle. As far he as never I scored a goal in eighty-four appearances. And we, Paul mentions there he's, he's uh, he felt he was better as a striker. But Thirty-eight goals in one hundred and seventy-two appearances for Leeds. It's it's a good record. It's yeah. not prolific. And then seven in sixty-one for Manchester United. Obviously, like we say, interrupted by that horrific. And it, injury. And it was a horrific injury. To be fair. Um, most players have struggled to, to come back to what they were before that and, and the fact he continued to have a, a successful career is, is, is credit to him but, but Newcastle didn't didn't get the, the player that um, he was at, at Leeds in his early stages but not by a long chalk I mean the experience I guess counted for yeah. a lot though because he'd been about and he'd seen it he'd seen what happened to Leeds you know he'd gone to Manchester United at the time the biggest club in the world arguably um, and then he'd come to Newcastle and that experience would have been key especially in that championship season yeah and, and a lot of credit at the time goes to I mean obviously Chris Hutton was, was an excellent manager but there, there's a lot of talk of the very strong dressing room they had at the time with like Steve Harper Kevin Nolan Joey Barton um, really sort of pulling things through in the dressing room and, and Alan Smith would have played a, a key role in that I think that often gets overlooked to be fair to him um, he, he was a very experienced player and there was a lot of young kids coming through at the time as well like Andy Carroll Stephen Taylor uh, and he was able to, to probably help them along as well Um so yeah, good player. You, I wouldn't say too much negative about him, but but I, I think it was a sign that most fans would put down as, as something which didn't necessarily work out for the expectation level. Sorry, before he came in, probably that's fair enough to say. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. Just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review my podcast through iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast provider you listen through. In the coming weeks, we'll have a, an interview on our website from former Newcastle United scout Paul Montgomery. Now, it's interesting because he has said in the past that as he was working for a scout for Newcastle, he had a deal all lined up for Edmilson, who had been a Brazil uh, captain in the World Cup. He'd won the World Cup, I think, in 2002. He was at Barcelona, and the deal was all set to go through. Um, and Sam Aldice turned it down and signed Alan Smith the next day, much to Paul's frustration, shall we say. Um, what may have been. Indeed, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Big Sam knew what he was getting on Smith. He obviously knew he'd get someone who'd probably run through a wall from him. Um, so, 
you can I can you can see the attraction, but I think everybody knew at the time that it wasn't. Uh, they weren't selling the the Alan Smith striker who had who had played well against Newcastle before for Leeds. I remember him playing up at St James's Park for Leeds and and being absolutely superb. Um, but I think everyone knew at the time they weren't getting that player at all. On to our next unpopular opinion. This is from Matt, and he very simply just says that Shirley Amiobi is underrated or was underrated as a player. Um, it's easy to look back on on YouTube highlight reels and and see you know players in all their glory. You look at the likes of Lauren Robert scoring all those goals from forty yards and things like that, and you forget about all the matches where he literally disappeared or he wasn't in the mood because of course they they don't appear on highlight reels. Have a look at Scholes, and it, it isn't bad at all. You know, he scored some cracking goals. He played a hell of a lot of games for Newcastle United. Now we've all know we've all got our favourite players. We all know players who, who we didn't think should play for us and all that. Scholes played so many games, has scored so many goals. You don't under a lot of managers, you don't do that if you're not good enough. Three hundred ninety-seven official appearances and scored seventy-nine goals, um, according to Wikipedia here, um, and I think. His biggest role probably came in that that first half of that championship season when we're scoring a hat trick against Redden and he then suffered a, a bad injury. Um, I'm not sure I ruled him out for the whole season, but ruled him out for a large part because then we had to rely on Harewood and Love and Cranston. Andy Cowell, of course, 10 years ago that would have been as well. Yeah. Do you feel old, Stu? Yeah, a lot of things do, to be fair. <laughs> but he scored a lot in that, that, that first kind of few weeks that he played and that, obviously, like I said, that hat trick. Um, he played, just gave everything. For the yeah, club. he did. I mean, he played alongside Shearer. He's played alongside people like Patrick Clivers. And sometimes, he, 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 you know, we've all had moments where you thought you're not quite sure what he was doing. And then the next minute, he, he stick one at the top corner. Um, he, was, he was quite an unassuming player and that you didn't sometimes didn't notice him too much. But all right, he, the, the goal scoring record is not prolific by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not bad. How many other Newcastle players have scored more than him in the, in the last 20 years? Not, not a huge amount, I wouldn't have thought. Um, and so many managers kept picking him. He, he played under so many different managers, and, and they all kept him in the squad. Yes, he was in and out of favour from time to time, but he was always there. And players, plenty of players came and went in that time. Uh, but Shola kept going. Obviously, everyone remembers his, his derby goals as well. Uh, yes, a few of them were penalties, but you know you're always going to be a hero if you score in the derby. Uh, but it's not as simple as that. You've got nerves to steal, haven't you? I mean, <laughs> especially if you're in your cast United fan, you were brought up just streets away from the ground you've got to have nerves of steel to stand in front of that Gallagher that, that. well that, that late penalty he scored against I can't, I can't remember the year when, when Stephen Taylor was fouled and it was very late on in the game he stood in front of the Gallagher and called calmest man on the ground shoulder which walks up strokes it in and then the season after Demba Barr took the penalty off him and Barr missed didn't he and then it came down to shoulder to score in the last minute with a kind of half volley from, from close yeah. range who would have thought we everyone turned around and said if only sure I'd been taking that spot. Yeah, in. yeah. No, I think I think it's. Uh, I think he, he definitely was an underrated player, and uh, and it's nice to see him still involved with the club now. Mm. Um, you know, he's, he's he's widely known as a good guy in football. You know, and I think it'd be good to see him have a, an important role in Newcastle going forward. Just that championship season, ten goals in eighteen games. So I mean, That's, if he yeah, played the full season, we would have been talking probably Dwight Gale. Yeah. Um, statistics. What I do love about Shola is, and I don't know about you, you've got two young kids, so maybe when your kids are old enough and they ask about certain events, you may tell them about Alan Shearer's goal against Everton. And of course, it was a Shola header down. And, the, and then the, the record-breaking goal um, against Pompey. And it was a not the best of back heels, but nonetheless, it was a back heel from Amiori that set, him, set Shearer through. 
he's got his name in, written down in he his, has, he yeah, yeah two, two cases so don't say it that way from another one which sticks in my mind was um, the, the famous Shearer goal and I think it was a 2-0 win against Chelsea where, where Shearer holds off uh, Marcel Dessay turned the stick in the top corner best goal for me yeah cracker wasn't it uh, second half Shola scores a if not equally good goal not far off for the second goal as well which is an absolute blinder as well he was capable of some cracking goals on his day as well and of course took on Dennis Wise on his debut which I think everyone remembers fondly the nice little picture of Dennis Wise on his tiptoes I mean case closed there <laughs> <laughs> um, so verdict sure yeah. I'll be underrated uh, I 100% agree there we have it um, I'm going to throw my unpopular opinion out um, we've got a couple more before we get to Stu's to round off but I'm going to suggest that had Sam Allardyce not been sacked as Newcastle United manager, and then he was replaced by Kevin Keegan, um, I don't think Newcastle in the long run would have been would have been relegated. I know it took a season, uh, well, yeah, after that, didn't it, yeah. for Newcastle to go down. But I just think, yeah, I'm going to get. <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll think. I, 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 just I can see your face. It's yeah. definitely an unpopular opinion, but I just I always just think that you know things got. We got we got swept along and Keegan returned, which I also think actually it's a two part. Kevin Keegan should never have returned no. as manager. No, um, I don't know if that is an unpopular opinion or popular opinion. Please do get in touch if you agree one way or the other. He should never have returned in the first place. But I think I think Sam Aldice probably would have kept Newcastle up. And he, look, no one wants Sam Aldice in charge, but it, you, you kind of know what you're getting. You're going to get rubbish football, which he will deny, um, but it's not pleasing on the eye. But you probably will get. A Premier League side, even if it's a last day uh, survival. Oh, well, I, I'm, I must admit, I was I was not a big fan of of what was happening at Newcastle under Allardyce. Um, the football wasn't great. Remember that the home defeat against Portsmouth. I mean, I've you know it's easy to remember little isolated incidents like that, but that was pretty much as low as it had gotten for a long time. Then um, I had to review that verdict of him after he take, took over Sunderland. To be fair, when he had nine months in charge of Sunderland and. The, the transformation he was able to do there again for a, it was a different way around there there was it was obviously clearly a, a poor very underperforming Sunderland team um, and he managed to, to keep them up uh, obviously in Newcastle's expense at the time um, but that was a lot of it he, he took Yandri Edlin and Patrick Van Aholt made them defenders first and foremost and they just stopped conceding goals so your point being that we would have kept Newcastle off back in I could agree with that to be honest with you um, but it goes to what we're talking. What a lot of people have been talking about this season is, is that what we want? Um, I think it's possibly easier now that Newcastle are pretty close to City. For a lot of fans, are saying we'd, we'd just rather see better football. Um, obviously, go for that cup win, cup run. Sorry, at the risk of relegation. I think most fans, when we ran a poll and did stories on this uh, last month, said they would happily sacrifice the Premier League status if it meant winning the FA Cup. Um, so yeah, Allardyce possibly would have kept Newcastle up. Um, I mean, there wasn't relegation wasn't a big issue at the time necessarily, um, but of course, the, I mean, this Allardyce that, that, that was that season when that Derby team went down with a record low number of points. It took four points off Newcastle that season. Yes, I mean, I'm not saying it was uh, by any chance, by any means, would have been a great season. And, sure. and I accept the points. You know, we're all Newcastle fans as well on the desk. That um, well, not everyone, some are. Um, that we don't want Newcastle just to survive. But I, I also think that should be it should be treating a separate again. Um, you don't want them just to survive. You want good luck on football. You want to be entertained. You're paying your money to go and see them. However, on the other hand, you have to not accept. But look, this is what we're getting for now. This is this is if the plan is just to survive, then that's the plan. And and 
I don't want to say the word accept because it's not the word I'm looking for, but I think you kind of get what I mean. Like if if, we, if that is what the plan is, then we kind of just have to say, okay, well, that's what we've got. Yeah, and I think, I, I mean, moving away from our life slightly, I think looking at the, the current situation, I think if they'd said that, well, they did say that to be fair, for when they got back into the Premier League back in uh, 2017, said, look, we've got a couple of seasons of surviving and consolidation here. I think, you know, put your sensible head on. Most people accept that. Um, but it's just like, well, when does that change? When does that kick on? And I think that's just when, when Alice was there, it wasn't really the situation where the club had, it wasn't that long ago that the club had been in the European spots under Glenn Roder, playing in the um, uh, Europa League uh, under Sunus and Roder. And that was just two or three seasons earlier. So I think the club were quite in that situation at the time. I think the fans were expecting to kick on and do something a bit better and challenge in the top half of the season. I, I think challenging at the, at the top end was had gone for that stage. Um, but certainly challenging for European places and, and cup runs were, were certainly something fans would expect, and I think reasonably under, under their, at that stage of the of the club's history. Mm. Um, so yeah, you're right. I, I'm not sure whether Allies take them down, possibly not. Again, um, I suppose you've got to take into account about all the decisions that were made in that time as well. So, you know, again, this is a lot of hypothetical and what ifs, but your verdict? Yeah, I'd agree, but I'm also glad he went. <laughs> yes. Um, Right, the penultimate one. This one is off uh, Matt, another Matt, who has sent in a recording. So here is Matt's unpopular and you can't... My name's Matt, and my unpopular NUFC opinion is I don't buy all the hate that Mike Lone got for the period that he played for us. When he wasn't injured, he was good. So there you have Matt, this is Mike Lone, um, and he says that Mike Lone did the job when fit. Oh, went fit, yes. Uh, I think that's true up until the final six months of his, of his time at Newcastle. Um, I think he used to get referred to as England's Michael Owen, didn't he, as opposed to Newcastle's Michael Owen up here. And you could see why. I mean, he, he, part of the whole season was in trying to get fit for the for the World Cup in 2002, I guess. Um, would it be that one? Um, or 2006, I can't remember. 2006. Yeah, 2006. Yes, of course, yeah. So the 2006 World Cup, and their whole season was... I tell you what, though, Mike Lone and that Sir Boy Robson team. Yeah, <laughs> he was. A, he, he was. You know, he's a very good player. And actually, if you look at his goals per game record for most of the time at Newcastle, it was pretty impressive. Although very low on games. Mm. I think that's the case now. I think he scored seven in eleven games before he did his metatarsal, um, and I think he had one more decent enough season. Um, was it the season Shearer potentially hung up his boots? Got it. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was two seasons after. Uh, he scored 11 and 29. That was the, the season before Newcastle were relegated. He scored 11 and 29. Um, but not bad, you know, especially if, if you're in and out of the team, obviously it does take you a little while to get back yeah. into your, your match. had 11 goals. Well, yeah, no one would be arguing with you. Um, what always comes down with Michael Owen, I think everyone would, would agree, is that the fact that when you really needed him, when he's made at the time, Shearer really needed him. For whatever reason, obviously they've, they've both had their, their opinions on this Owen in his, his recent book. He wasn't there. He wasn't able to come on the pitch, and so much so that in that last game at Aston Villa, he was on the bench. And and you just think, you know, Newcastle go two 0 up at half time. Villa couldn't care less. Probably at that stage would have been game over, wouldn't it? Um, and and he, I've, I, I remember rightly, and I may be wrong about this. I'm sure he brought Shola Amiobi on before he brought Owen on as well. Um, so Shiro couldn't count on him in the end, and I think that overshadows anything he did in the Newcastle shirt. Um, you know we. You know, we weren't privy to that, the conversations. Of, they both had their uh, opinions on that, and 
you just got to respect their their views of you know they each had diff- very different opinions whether he's fit to play or not. Um, the the history books show that he he didn't. Because there's no denying that he was on on his day. He was one of the best strikers in Europe. Yeah, unquestionably. I think that's the frustration though, doesn't it? Because he was so good. Um, he he carried on playing after Newcastle, you know, but went to play for Manchester United. To be fair to him, uh, and also that that dossier that went round after he's you know, and again Owens had his put his side of the story across that you know he wasn't looking for fishing for clubs before he left for Newcastle, and of course he's got to look after his career, but it just left a sour taste in, in people's mouths, really, didn't it? After the way he conducted himself, no, sorry, the way it, it seemed like he was conducting himself. To be fair to him, um, but yeah, you can't argue with it. the fact he was you know at, at the time. But, but did anyone say he was a bad signing when the, when they signed him from Real Madrid? Nah, everyone was loving it, weren't they? So out of 20,000 people in the Leasers. Yeah. Which was, I remember, a hot sunny day and it was it was unbelievable. Yeah, everyone was, was delighted to sign Michael Owen. Um, so there's a little bit of revisionism going on now when people said, well, I didn't think you should have signed him because he was a crock from Real Madrid. I mean, it's, I don't know that was the case. <laughs> Maybe you want to see people saying it, but you couldn't hear them. I mean, the performance against, I don't want to say West Ham and him and Shearer, just... He scored a perfect hat-trick away at West Ham, last ever edition of the Pink, which I am old enough to have worked on. Um, <laughs> he scored a left foot, right foot header, although the header was more off his shoulder, but, you know... Yeah, he's had some, he had some great highlights for Newcastle, but uh, they, were, they were just overshadowed by the end, I guess, aren't they? Indeed. Now, just before we get on to your unpopular opinion, just a quick word on what you think should happen to this season, 2019-20... Um, I would. I, I. I think they should make every effort to get it finished. Um, clearly, we're, we're. It's outside the footballing authorities when things are allowed to resume as it should be. It shouldn't be down to the football authorities to dictate. I, I personally think we probably also one or two of the games behind closed doors in the Europa League and things like that, uh, and the Champions League. Sorry, before um, before it finished, and, and that was awful. I just if there's a match which just had to be done just to get things finished and it had to be behind closed doors, I can completely understand. Yes, just get it done. But you still talk about the season, and it's just it's it's nothing about the fans. Everyone who watched, for example, the, the Liverpool match on the the Wednesday evening, I believe it was, uh, and the atmosphere and everything just contributed to what was a fantastic game of football. And then you can watch some of the Man U game the following day, the Wolves game, and it's just awful, wasn't it? I mean, I, I appreciate it wasn't two teams as as good as Liverpool and Atletico Madrid going head to head, but but still, um, every effort needs to be made. If the the way. UEFA have set it up now with the Champions League finals at the end or scheduled to be at the end of June. I don't know. They're looking to get. You would think they're looking to get playing by late end, late part of May, in order to get things going through. It's achievable. It'll be difficult. I think everyone wants it to happen. I think there'll be a, an enthusiasm within football to. Yes, it's going to be a lot of matches. Yes, it'll be difficult. But I think people want this to happen. But of course, it's out of everyone's hands, isn't it? Mm. I think. I think it's quite right that nothing should happen until all the relevant authorities say yeah, it's it's safe to do so. 100%. Well, go on then. Finish on your unpopular and castinated opinion and persuade me that, it, that <laughs> you know. Well, I'll caveat this by starting. Well, I'll, I'll say the opinion first. My unpopular opinion is that Newcastle were right to sell Les Ferdinand to Tottenham for, I believe it was around £6 million pounds, um, back in 1997, uh, it would be. Um, just start off by saying I, I was a big fan of Les Ferdinand as a, as a player. Um He's, he's he's brilliant. He's always good value for money when you hear him speak now. I think he's, he's he speaks with enthusiasm and passion about football. And that first season he was up here, he was absolutely brilliant for Newcastle. Um, it, I must admit, when they signed him, I wasn't particularly convinced, but it instantly just dispels any doubts you had about him. I thought he was a superb player, especially with 
Gillespie and Ginola crossing some of the headers he was getting up to. We hadn't had that sort of player for years at Newcastle. Um, he was a brilliant player. Obviously, things changed when they signed Shiro. We thought things were going to change a little bit the, the following season um, in '96. Um, but those two dovetailed absolutely brilliantly. Um, and we're forced to be reckoned with. Saying that, once Keegan had left, I felt that Ferdinand wasn't, for whatever reason, wasn't quite the same player. We were at Newcastle weren't getting out of Ferdinand what they want. Now, whether he was playing a different role, because obviously Shearer was there as well, had to come deeper or, or play not necessarily as the, the main pivot through the, the box, you could understand. Um, but at the time, I thought it wasn't a bad bit of business at Tottenham, albeit Tottenham obviously quite the rival in Newcastle as well. Um, it didn't get bad money from comparable at the time. Um, however, what then happened, of course, was that as as the two was going through, she ruptured his cruciate ligaments in a friendly at Everton and Newcastle left high and dry without any striker. Uh, and that completely changed the, the complexion of it. And it made it look like an absolutely ridiculous deal. At the time, if they'd, if they'd gone out and reinvested that money into a, into a player who was more suitable to play alongside Shearer, you look at what Craig Bellamy did when he came. You know, Craig Bellamy's not the world's most gifted player but he didn't often know how to, to make the most of what he had mm. and that worked perfectly he, was, he talked to us recently didn't he in the Jamie Carragher interview about how Sir Bobby would say you know how him and Shearer would work together Bellamy you know if, if the defence are dropping deep that's fine you use Bellamy's pace if they push it up then new Shearer to, to win the ball and lay off to Bellamy it was worked perfectly was that working with Ferdinand well yes because they scored enough goals but it didn't seem like Ferdinand was particularly happy in that situation so it wasn't a bad deal it just was a deal that was made to look very bad very quickly. 32, 6 million. Um, he went out to play quite well for Spurs, yeah. to be fair to him. He scored quite a few more Premier League goals. Um, He's guess, a player I still like. I think yeah. he was a great player, but, but... I guess it all comes down to, as like many of these topics that we'll discuss over the next couple of weeks, it is all hypothetical. It is all what if. If she hadn't got injured, John Dal Thomason could have become a Premier League star because he was brought in to play off Shearer and it probably yeah. would have worked, you know, when he went on to work for AC Milan and, and what have you. Um, so there's so many little kind of uh, things that happened as a result of Ferdinand being sold and like you say, it probably wouldn't have looked the worst the worst deal in the world had John Del Thompson worked out. Yeah, I think I think a lot goes back to Keegan leaving that previous uh, January. I remember seeing, I think it was John Beresford and, and, and Steve Howey talking on Sky when they were doing one of those review you know, really, um, history years, uh, and said how much that affected the squad because they were all in it together, and you know, then then their the the leader just left for you know reasons which again he's he's got into in great detail, and I think a lot of the squad felt a bit let down by that, and you could see, um, regardless of Kelly Daglish coming in, it was although they finished that season quite strongly, you could just see when Ginola was never the same player, and um, I think Ferdinand was probably the same as well. Uh, and while he wasn't going to do well, and you know he should be rightly thought of as, a, as an excellent Newcastle player, it probably the time was right for him to move on. So I uh, obviously went to Spurs, and he, he did hit quite a few goals, you know, in his time there. I'm not that quick at maths, so I'm not going to add them all up, but um, it looks like it's close to I think 50 at first glance in that time. So obviously he could still hit it in the. He still could, yeah. Um, but just uh, it was it a case as well that Daglish was trying to put his own stamp on the team and having two strikers of the same kind of build, the same kind of approach was never going to work. And you could see that in the way Daglish was starting to set, set out his, his stall, so to speak. Yeah, I think so. Um, and again, you know, a lot of, of what Daglish did at the time, fans would look on very fondly. Um, I mean, he, he brought in some great players. He brought in Shea Given, he brought in Nolsolano, 
two very very good Gary signings. Speed. Gary Speed, yeah, yeah, exactly. Another another very good one. Um, but he also is uh, is being charged with dismantling the entertainers, which I think is true. Some of it may be necessary, in all fairness. Uh, as, as I said before, it's never black and white, but I think the likes of Jadora and Ferdinand have probably had their time at Newcastle, and they both went on to do very well, but that doesn't mean to say it wasn't the right time for them to move on. Whether to replace them with the right players is another question. Well, my verdict, I, I think it is probably... It's difficult because, again, you've got to look at everything that happened. If she were not got injured, then you maybe say, yeah, OK. Um, but I think the fact he went on to score quite a few more goals in the Premier League... Again, it's difficult though because if Daglish was only going to use one striker, do you want Les Ferdinand to sit on the bench? Is he going to sit on the bench? Uh, it's, I'm wavering. I don't know. I, no, I think I'm going to say... I, I, I'm going to disagree with you. Fair enough. I'm going to disagree with you. But that's the beauty Still of this. Still loves though. Yes, I mean, he, does, he speaks wonderfully well. There's a, uh, countless stories on our website, which I'm sure you guys will want to read it in the next few weeks because we'll be uh, producing quite a few long reads. In fact... It'll not be, will it be 20 years since he signed? It will be, won't it? In the summer. It will, if I'm not serious me correctly. 95? 50? Yeah. Yeah. 20 years? How many fingers you got? Two seconds. 15 years. I'll get there eventually. That's why I write and don't uh, count. Um, but yeah, you can send in your unpopular opinions. I'll give you the number there in the, in the show, in the middle of the show. Please do send them in. I say keep them clean. And, and as short as sweet as possible and we'll get through as many as we can over the next few weeks to bring you guys hopefully some debate and laughter along the way as well in the meantime do head over to Chronicle Live where we will keep you up to date with all the latest ongoings surrounding football and when it may come back and anything we have on Newcastle night as well thank you very much for listening